Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stretch Podcast, where we're here to make a stretching difference. We got a new guest on today. My boy, my man, longtime friend, Eric Hanna. Welcome, Eric. Hey, what's good, everybody? What's up, Gene? Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, I appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, you know, share some facts with us and to help my, you know, help my audience out and give them a little something, something to think about, you know, and why they uh, move around through that day. So, uh, I, th- I thank you for having me, man. Uh, it's an honor. Okay. Hey, so just let the audience know a little bit about our history. I've known Eric Hanna for many, 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 many years, but uh, I'll let him, you know, fill that in. You know, I don't want to hog the floor, so I let him hog that, give that information since he's the guest. Um, would you like to know my history? Or would you like to know just how we? How we met? I want we want to talk about how we met. So let let okay. folks know because your introduction was was actually pretty live. There, like, dude, this guy must know somebody from somewhere. Okay, man, I I met Eugene. Uh, what was that? Two thousand two, I believe. Mm-hmm. At Powerhouse, uh, I met him a week after he had done his his first contest, which he won overall. I've been competing maybe for about two or three years, and so. Uh, I, I met him at Powerhouse. We worked out a few times together, and typically, most people that work out, you know, in that field of bodybuilding, uh, it's a, always a small circle. And so, mm-hmm. typically, when you got the same mindset to compete and train, and you're at a young age, mm-hmm. it's easier to bond with people in that group. And so, me and Eugene clicked really, really quickly and really easily. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm gonna tell you some audience. This guy, when I first met this guy, this guy walked around like a living muscle muscle doll all the time. I'm like, dude, how do you walk around and you stay ripped all the time? I'm like, he, he didn't really do much as a workout. He probably did a lot. Well, I didn't see him, but, I mean, this guy walked around just shredded like all the time, like, like 4% body fat like every single day. And, and it wasn't unhealthy, but he was, just, he was just lean. So I was really impressed with him because he had a – he had a consistency with his training and the way he viewed his body and himself, and he took it took it seriously to to the point where people were attracted to it. I was attracted to it because I was impressed with him. Like, dude. So in in his years of training and working with people, he's always been a student of his craft. And I think I spoke about that several times before of trainers and people in the wellness industry. As they're not studying it anymore. They're not trying to reinvent themselves or figure out ways to help uh, people out. And that's the reason why I know him personally and I know his story a little bit. So we're going to talk a little bit today about his journey. And right now he's, he's, I consider him one of the best nutritionists out there. I, I put him up against anybody. Uh, not saying it because I know him personally and we have a relationship, but this guy is off the chain. He got some information that you know should be able to change some lives. If you're interested in, in learning something new, Sit back, relax, and just take it easy and just, you know, mellow out with us. So what we're going to start with today, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what is the importance, you know, of eating, you know, a, a good meal, uh, good right, the right foods? Well, I'll say this. Uh, there really is no most important meal of the day as far as breakfast or things like that what's your most important meal is typically is going to be this is if you're very active in the gym lifting or even if you're doing any form of exercise or you're looking for cardio 
it's your meal that you have typically after you train. And if that's as far as lifting, uh, as far as lifting with cardiovascular training or mm-hmm. endurance based, uh, it's going to be before and after you train. Okay. What's going on before and after? Like, because you have to have a certain surplus of, uh, caloric demand when you perform as far as glycogen and things of that nature mm-hmm. and then you have to have enough food for recovery and then just throughout the day you're eating for function basically because most of the transformation process is going to be done outside the gym really mm-hmm. so yeah. so where did this thing come from when the government used to say hey your first meal of the day is your very important meal of the day is that is that actually a thing or is it just well, that something was, that was recommended daily allowances as far as just survival, you mm-hmm. know, and the standards years back, they were more so, they weren't basing things on a certain structure type. Okay. It was mainly, they had a specific height and weight for average individuals as oh. far as a ratio or demographics. And so, uh, they, you know, still this day, you're going to find some doctor skills to say someone's overweight. Okay. Or they're not. Because when you when you talk about bone density, mm-hmm. you know, athletic background or yeah. a person's type of build, you know, um, it's it's gonna differ. Okay. So different, you know, because some people put on muscle easier than others. Okay. And, you know, like I had a client the other day. Uh, he went to the hospital. They told him he was overweight. You know, he competes. Mm-hmm. And so they said, "Well, man, you're five seven and one ninety. You're 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 mobile obese." And He's 5'7", 190 with his body fat at around 7%. Yeah. I don't think that that's morally obese. No, it's not morally obese. I mean, somebody got to misunderstood that reading the numbers and not understand yeah. the body type. And so you can't really form a ratio of, you know, what a person should weigh according to their height. You know. Okay. You can't, you know, it's, it's outdated. Everybody's not the same person. Okay. I got you. I got you. Because, you know. Because I, I know when I was competing, I was... I think I weighed a certain amount, and like your body fat, like you're, you're obese, you're being oh, yeah, up there. You were, like, you were in the two, well, you're in the upper 200s. Mm-hmm. They like 215. Yeah. Yeah, 215, you were lean. And yeah. Your body, you know, under under 6% when you were competing. And so you would have been considered morbidly obese. Yeah, yeah. They don't understand so the that, muscle and fat means to, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Muscle, muscles denser than fat. You know, it doesn't weigh more than fat, a pounds a pound, but muscles a lot denser. Mm-hmm. And it's got totally different properties in fat, of course. And you know so, what? A lot of people, and another thing too, I guess the women don't, they see as, I think they cut their food count down and they minimize the salads and do all the kind of small stuff. But women don't actually participate so much in more or less nutrition and training. Why, why is that? It depends. Uh, it's just on the audience. I mean, nowadays you're getting a lot more women doing CrossFit, and more there's more athletic sports available. Some that you know that are outside of the Olympic arena. You know what I mean? So, okay. So you know. So so uh-huh. uh, with women nowadays, you have a lot more that 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 are doing resistance training. Now you have some that don't work out or mm-hmm. some that just may be your soccer mom that's doing Yeah, camp. that's what I'm talking about, so, the soccer moms. Okay, well their mindset's a little bit different. And so with anybody, if you if you have not really had an oriented lifestyle geared towards resistance training, whether you're male or female, mm-hmm. a lot of times 
there's going to be certain imprinted belief systems off of what they see on television mm-hmm. or off of social media because you're dealing now with a lot more influencers. Okay, so I got people you. Are gonna, people are going to have a desire to look based off of that influencer. Oh. So whatever that influencer says, that influence, that, that influencer doesn't even have to have, he or she does not have to even have a background of transforming people. They just, mm-hmm. you know, most people are going to go off of what they see that have not been to the gym, so they're going to have a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding or misguidance of what they should be doing to change their bodies. Okay. Okay, because I guess the reason for that for that statement is that when you're dealing with transformation and people and their interest in, in weight loss or getting their mind situated, it's more or less starting with the basics. The basics are the food, the food intake. And also, too, you have to take on a program-based uh, regiment that is out of, your, out of the norm for you to get your body to kind of take that transformation process to the next level. And that's what I was asking because I know you probably get a lot of soccer moms, average Joes out there just want to lose weight, don't want to get the numbers down and do look better, but you got to take the first step is the training aspect of the fitness, contracting muscles, getting their body ready for the food that you're going to take in and how it's going to be utilized. It's assisting the nutritional process in the weight loss progress. Yeah, and so it's it's just different approaches with that. Like if they if they've been doing boot camps and have not undergone any form or if their bodies have not their muscles have not been trained to do resistance training, then those muscles have to be activated. Okay. Like, you know, and not both know you got different muscle fiber types. Okay. You, know, you got two different types of white fibers, mm-hmm. which are your um, fast twitch fibers. Okay. And those are mainly involved. One type that's involved with 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 strength. And the other being involved with speed okay. and explosive strength. And so those two type of fibers, you know, you get a lot of those athletes that carry those, that, that predominantly use those fibers. You know, you look at a football player, mm-hmm. you know, a crossfitter, bodybuilder, they're going to be white muscle fiber dominant. Those that do distance running or cycling, they're going to have a different build. Uh, they're going to be more so the other type, red muscle fiber, slow twitch fiber dominant. And so even though we got 600 muscles, uh, depending on the type of workouts the person is doing, their body is going to adapt. Their muscles are going to develop off of that. So, okay. Typically, most of your soccer moms, they're going to be mainly red muscle fiber dominant. Really? And there's going to be certain areas that lack, that have poor activation. Okay. And so, uh, very interesting. Yeah, you know. And so, when they do these body shaping courses and things like that, they're trying to get these areas to genetically stand out. Well, if you don't have that genetic build or your body is not mm-hmm. prone to, to having, if, if that person did not have any type of athletic background mm-hmm. or if you're not genetically gifted in that area, typically you're going to get a lot of people that want certain things to appear, but they don't appear through the boot camps. And really? so they're going to seek information from a so-called influencer. Okay, and they so have they no like. no no experience at doing it. They just they just did yeah. what they did. I got you. Okay, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Okay, and so it's easy for them to get misled and sell some type of either cookie cutter program, or the the other problem I see with that too is they will go off of a off of a influence or a certain athlete or fitness celeb mm-hmm. of what they're currently doing or that what that person's body has been trained to do mm-hmm. and they'll use that same training and dieting method and expect the same result. Oh, okay. They don't work that way. Mm-mm. The body and the, you know, your system functions have to be trained 
your digestive system has to be trained. Mm-hmm. Your hormones, things like that. You know, the way you eat, has, the body has to be forced into doing that. Okay, I got you. Understand. Okay. If, if it's not programmed, let's say, you know, like even with bodybuilders, mm-hmm. some of them will go through a process to where they go through extreme caloric deprivation, which I don't recommend, but most people think if they do that, that their bodies are going to do the same thing where that person has done it at, oh. at that level. And so that's not how the body works. No, it doesn't. You know, because, you know, where you think people get the information from? Where you think people get the information from? Well, now they they're using these search engines, and they're going to they're going to different sites. And the thing about that is, it's fine to use tools and resources, but it's good to actually know the process. I lived the process. Okay. So I lived it, and my clients lived it. I lived it as a competitor, and I had clients that, that I took on that competed. I had clients that I used to personally train, as you know. You know, mm-hmm. what? I, I personally trained for them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I used to manage trainers, and I also used to teach trainers when they began these training colleges. Oh, okay. They helped them get their internships. And so uh, everybody's approach is different, and mm-hmm. there's never really – the correct, correct approach for what a lot of people want as far as looking like that influencer, mm-hmm. or, you know, getting that dream body that they want. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you're normally being sold, like typically your influence is going to be sponsored by some supplement company mm-hmm. or by some meal prep company. And so they're going to say, I do this. I take this supplement or I, I eat these type of meals every day or I intermittent fast. And they're being paid to say they do that, but it's not actually what they do. Okay. So okay. People get misguided by that. It's just there's a lot of misinformation. Okay. Okay. And now, 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 I figure like I watch on YouTube. Um, you know, I know Flex uses his product. Not Flex, but I'm sorry, uh, Jay Cutler. I know he uses his product because you see him all the time. I know Kai Green uses his product because there's their companies. That's their company. I can see that. But if you're not you're not owner of the company and you're just an endorsed athlete, most of them guys. Do or don't yeah. use it, but it's just you know. Yeah, and you know, and I both know in the bodybuilding fields, um, those guys are enhanced. Yeah, and so if the athlete's enhanced, that's something else. Yeah, your body is not going to respond to their type of eating. No, or their type of diet, and they're not going to be using a majority of their products. I got you. I got you. So what people need claim. to be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. Is you know. People are so misinformed about that. Okay. Guy, funny story, short story, but he was a heavier guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He was uh, what you call endomorphic to where it was easy for him to kind of retain muscle, but he, he had a very slow metabolism, slow-acting metabolism. And so he had trouble losing body fat, and, and you know, so he had to manage his diet. Mm-hmm. Well, before I started working with him, he was watching, I think, uh, one of the. He was watching an IFBB pro, bodybuilding pro, which is of course enhanced. Mm-hmm. And like I said, their body weight and height was the exact same. But this guy, the client, was obese. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking five eight, two forty, which is obese. Mm-hmm. When you get a bodybuilder that's five eight, two forty, that's got you know <laughs> some totally different body fat. Yeah, he was trying to follow this guy's eating pattern, <laughs> and so uh, he was like, "Man, I feel like I'm getting heavier and this and that." 
And I said, man, that guy is running gear. He's got a lot more collective muscle mm-hmm. to his body. And the way that his body metabolizes food is going to be way different. Yeah. And then his training background, you know. Different too. Different too. Just the whole history. Mm-hmm. So once I started working with this guy, he began to see that he did not carry the same level of muscle. Mm-hmm as what a pro bodybuilder would carry just yeah. simply because his weight and he did not have that background nope. a lot of guys think it there's just like i said there's a lot of just misconceptions yeah because the protein sense is different protein synthesis is different and fat. yeah mm-hmm. and night you know nitrogen retention things of that nature yeah people have a misconception they think well you know there's a lot of average people that think well i'm going to add body fat and then i'm going to shed it down and what they don't understand is, is that most people that do go through this bulking process, and I'm talking about bro sciences guys, mm-hmm. if they see shed back down, there's two things. Either the person's enhanced and have a fully developed base, mm-hmm. and so they can afford to add body fat and shed down, yeah. or the person could be natural, but also his base is fully developed. The muscles are in there. So okay. when he sets down, he's able to add the muscle. Blueprint already set up already. Both crowds, whether the person's enhanced or not. Okay. And so the mistake people make is they could already be carrying a high amount of body fat. And they're thinking if they add body fat to what they already have, that it's going to attribute to muscle when they begin to go into caloric deficit to get rid of it, or what they call a cut, which okay. I don't know. Okay. So let me ask this question. Leading to my next question, then. So uh, that that's actually a lot of information, and and that leads to my next question: What is weight loss transformation mindset of a for a oh, person that's coming to you, soccer mom, or just the average Joe guy, whatever? Uh, it it depends on where the person is at in life. Uh, like. When someone's really wanting to make a change, typically they, they're going to have to have a stronger why. Okay. You know, I deal with typically, I would say, two or three different types or even four different types. You have that type of person that is, um, you know, they're at a health risk to where they're forced to make a change. And you have that other person that already has been active, but is at a plateau. And so they want to make a certain change to progress, maybe short term, because they're close to the goal, but they don't quite have the directory or need the accountability. And then you have that third person uh, that I call them the couch potato. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they they have really never taken their workouts serious. Okay. You know, they may have been in shape at one time, but they live off of that, you know. Football, they have huh? like a mentality, yeah. They could be the old high school quarterback, Al Bundy, you know, it, yeah, or it could be, yeah, four touchdowns in one game, <laughs> yeah, in one inning, or you know, or it could be that person that used to be in shape maybe two years ago mm-hmm. that used to be overweight, and so their expectations are typically going to be unrealistic, okay, because that, depending on that type of lens. The mindset, and it's nothing judgmental, but you can tell each person's mindset's already predisposed to being committed as far as the person that's already active. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. person that's already active and just wanting to break a plateau, they're already in activity. And then the person that has had a health scare, 
And so they're going to automatically do what it takes to get themselves back healthy. But the person that's been sitting on the couch, you know, it can be rather difficult if if they if they are not motivated. Let me ask this question. Especially if they're expecting short-term results. Let me ask this question. So what about, what part of mental illness has something to do with weight loss transformation? Because if the reason, because the reason I asked that question, because you have to be in the mindset, you have to be available for, because first of all, you shouldn't have got that way in the first place. So you have to have some kind of type of depression, anything traumatic event, uh, marital problems, anything, work stress. Well, I, I can tell you, typically, as far as someone allowing themselves to get that way, sometimes it's it, if it, if they had a marital problem or went through a divorce and they, you know, or if the person's self-esteem was affected traumatically, I can see that. But a majority of people I get, they're not going through that. Okay. Typically, they're, the, the mental state of where they're at, they're just lazy. Okay. Good point. They, or, you know, they've become... Or they they become uh, uh, overworked. Okay. And so they don't have a routine of where they're um, taking in food or exercising, or they've given that routine up because of having to work. You know, because everything's out of order with their work or with life in general, where they're having to manage things. Okay. Okay. So, so they have problem managing uh, life. After a while, things can accumulate before you know it. Okay. Because I've had it happen to me. You remember when it happened to me a couple mm-hmm. years ago? Yeah. I had to get I had to get my body fat back then. I you know I had accumulated, and so uh, you can get busy a lot and then just get kind of laid back and relax, I gotcha. and, and the body will become prone to that. Okay, so if you tried to make it do something totally different, you were you basically. Yeah. Causing the mutiny, what's it called? That uh, yeah, rise like against them. Like everybody has to have anybody going into this mm-hmm. has to have a why. Okay, that, that's the biggest thing. They have to have a why. Okay. Some people they're driven regard. You know, they're driven because they're already. Cl- Most people that are, I'll tell you this. My advice: if you're driven and already close to your goal, or if you have a why, you're going to be prone to stick with it. But most people that just have a short-term goal like a resolution of what they want to do in a short amount of time. I've dealt with it a lot. Typically that mindset's not going to carry them even towards that goal because they're looking, they're going to be focused on the destination more so than processing the journey and doing the things needed. Okay. You know, to um, reach that goal. Cause there's little, you know, and I know there's small steps Yeah. when you've gotten far behind. Yeah. And, it's, the body has to be reprogrammed. The muscles yep. are atrophy, and so mm-hmm. that's at least. I'll be honest with anybody. That's at least four to eight weeks yeah. before the body can even process exercise. Yeah. And as far as you're going to get results, but you're not going to get those dramatic transformational results if you've not been active. People that's been active, mm-hmm. that in a plateau, mm-hmm. they're going to get that eight to ten week progress short term because they were already active, active already. Or, they're just changing their eating and their training protocol. But someone that's just coming off of the couch mm-hmm. and haven't done anything in months or years and their body fat is quite up there, mm-hmm. it's not going to do the same thing. Okay. Let me ask this question then. So I noticed that, uh, so if you got a, you got a person on the program and, and, and they tell you they're working out all the time, you ask them how long, how much, how much activity they're doing a day? Well, I'm doing cardio only. 
I'm scared. I don't want to work out the weights. I'm scared. What What do you say to that when it comes to nutrition and having somebody get get to the best situation they need to be in, as far as weight wise? Um, I typically don't focus on the scale. I I'm going to typically focus on the goal. Like most people, they're told that they need to be doing more cardio, mm-hmm. or they they need to be doing lightweight, high reps. They're told, and and falsely you know, by someone that they may see as the example. Mm-hmm. So they try to take on that approach and more than likely they're not the same body type nor do they have the same schedule. Like I said before, earlier as I addressed, they don't have the same background. Okay. As far as genetics, make out or even background of athleticism or mm-hmm. anything. And oh. so mm-hmm. they're going to be trying to do what the current, the person is currently doing, thinking that's going to get them the results they need. Okay. So let me ask this question. So what if the trainer is telling them do more cardio? Well, they got a really bad trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I asked, it's a loaded question because I know a lot of trainers, they put their people on cardio, cardio, cardio. And as you know, I think we talked about it before, cardio is only expelling uh, what's called a waste or Weight loss of what you just ate today, you, you may be able to say it a little better than I did. Yeah, like, well, the thing is, with cardio, uh, people think that it burns fat. Mm-hmm. Um, there are situations to where it can be utilized to oxidize fat. But typically, let's say the biggest mistake I've seen, I call it, remember that book that came out years ago, Eat This, Not That? Yeah. They had all the calories... Uh, added up in these meals. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to tell someone as far as the cal- the calories burned, uh, as far as the activities and what would burn it off. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the weight loss community that don't exercise or that, that don't understand transformation, mm-hmm. they think if they go eat a buffet <laughs> and then they go burn a thousand calories on the bike, bike riding or hiking, that's going to get rid of the body fat. No, it isn't. And the only thing that does is it, when you take in that much food, it's going to energize yeah. that particular event. You look at any runner mm-hmm. that's doing distance, they have to take in a certain amount of carbohydrates and uh, calories in order mm-hmm. to have energy to run out in those conditions. Mm-hmm. And so it's only few, that type of muscle, like I said, the red muscle fibers, they're being fueled. Mm-hmm. You're not fueling the white to get the development. And so your body, you know, it's it's the wrong style of training to approach it. Okay. And so a lot of people, they adopt that approach. And so you'll see people all the time in the gym. Mm-hmm. They'll become better runners on a treadmill or mm-hmm. on a bike. Mm-hmm. They may even do better in their 10K. Yep. But they're not, they'll say, I can't get rid of this body fat that's around my gut. And then they'll say, I have all this water here, you know. Yeah. And what they're doing, if you're doing more prolonged cardiovascular training, mm-hmm. that's going to activate more red muscle fibers. Okay. They do a very poor job in fat burning. Really didn't know you're that. You're going to burn some fat, but okay. you're going to be eating away your white muscle, which helps burn fat. Uh-oh. You look at any sprinter, you look at any football player, soccer player, crossfitter, they're very athletic and aesthetic gymnast. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having a very muscular build. And that's because the type of activity or cheerleader, male or female, mm-hmm. any type of athlete, 
they have a very muscular athletic aesthetic build. Okay. And that's from overloading those white muscle fibers. It's not from distance. Okay. 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 So, okay. So let's move on to the next question we hear. So, so what does it mean when they say food can heal you or kill you? Uh, it's always the amount of what you take in and when you take it in. Okay. You know, you, as you know, you... your body is comprised mm-hmm. more than 70% water. And so depending on the person's hydration, also their blood health and their organ health and things like that, there are certain type of foods when you take them in, in excess. Causes it, problems. Yeah, it can cause problems to your organs, to your blood health, things of that nature. People don't know it, but when you urinate, basically, you know, when things have to be processed in the kidneys, typically you have metals and minerals. Mm-hmm. You're, you're basically getting rid of those excess metals and minerals that's oh. in the blood so the blood can be healthy. Mm-hmm. That's what the urine is, you know, and any type of waste and toxins that's in the blood also, not just the excess metals or minerals. Okay. And so a lot of times if someone's not hydrating enough or getting enough electrolytes, then they're going to have, they're going to be more so prone to mineral toxicities in the blood. And when you eat, everything has to process through the cardiovascular system okay. and through the blood. So, and through your hormones, you know, you have, you have hormones that are in the blood, you know? Okay. And so, uh, they, uh, you have what you call, I would, sex, uh, sex, uh, sex binding, uh, globulin. Basically, okay. Sex hormone binding globulins, mm-hmm. like women have progesterone, estrogen. Men have estrogen too, but you have these hormones in the body, and so, like, when someone gets a blood test done, they measure how much, you know, of those uh, globulins are in the blood, and so, typically, um, when they're high, then uh, it's going to affect your thyroid function. Mm-hmm. You know, like if your estrogen is too high or your DHT levels, it's going to affect your thyroid function. When it's low, it's going to affect the liver and things of that nature. Okay. Okay. And so it's just a lot of science that goes into the body. Okay. Now, another thing too, I just, I was listening to a gentleman, uh, talk about sugar. Sugar is like the number one drug out there on the planet. That's legal. That's, you know, Taking taking lives every single day of kids, you know, older people, young people, and causing blindness. And there is a such thing as a skinny, unhealthy person. What do you what do you think about that? Well, with sugar, it depends on the amounts mm-hmm. of sugar you're taking in, and then the sources you're getting it from. Okay. Like. If you're taking in more sugar and you're not getting other nutrients in, then yes, it can be very harmful. But sugar can also be a pathway to helping someone with recovery. Really? For small amounts, yeah. Okay. Now, now, what kind of sugar are you talking about? Do you got the fructose? you have well, the dextrose? Well, you have disaccharides, basically, and those have combined sugars. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like, they combine it with the natural sugars. Okay. Like, you know, like, Sometimes candy is not bad, depending on when you take it in. Okay. You know, it just depends on the person's nutrition protocol and also their body's insulin response as far as how well they can absorb carbohydrates. Okay. And so metabolizing. 
the, the average person wouldn't, wouldn't actually know that information because that's something that you got to be tested for to understand that or went through a protocol uh, with a nutritional program with a nutritionist or someone that understand nutrition uh, to understand how that process, how your body would metabolize sugar like that. Yeah, typically people either get too much or sometimes they'll cut out certain things such as gluten and things of that nature and they may not even be allergic, but sometimes when you cut something out, it can create an allergy if your body's used to getting it. Really? So okay. there's a lot that goes on with nutrition to where what I do with my clients, you know, whether they're a soccer mom, competitor, I have them give me a food journal of what they've been eating, also their goal, also if they're taking medications, their supplements, everything. I like knowing everything they're currently doing. Most people will try to go back and change because they think I'm going to just cut foods out. But as far as the lifestyle change and them reaching their goal, I like for the person to be healthy. You know, the endocrine health is very important. It, it controls all your hormones, okay. your hormonal functions, and a, a majority of, of how it has a major impact of how your other systematic functions are gonna, going to respond, you know. Okay. And so I look at the health part first before even just telling people to eat certain foods. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So what, so, so what is the process? So basically you have a list of questions that you go over when you're, you're talking to your clients and you're trying to develop a actual uh, program. And, mm -hmm. and then it lead to my next question here is, you know, it's easy to put on weight, but it's hard to get it off. And that's, that's like the story of, most people like now it's opposite for some people because there are a lot of people out there that cannot pick up weight to save their life. For example, when I was what 17, 18 years old, it <laughs> took me forever to pick up weight. I had to drink weight gainer, weight gainer. And I was doing like about 10,000 calories and maybe got like two or three pounds off of it. Maybe because my metabolism is really high, but there are a lot of people out there that can't pick up weight easily as others, but there are people out there that pick up weight really easy they can look at a burger and guess what they put on 20 pounds well, so what do you say about those people okay it depends on the age and then the person's developmental phases okay like when someone's trying to gain weight you got to figure out what the weight is that they want you know and so as i said before people have made the mistake of seeing one that that has full muscle development they think if they eat a ton of calories like they're eating in their so-called bulking phase, they think that's going to help them gain. But um, you do have to have a higher ratio of caloric surplus, but also you have a certain level of developmental muscle as you're going through the process of growth as far as adolescence to adulthood. And so the metabolism is going to be naturally faster because those organs, uh, you know, your muscles and other hormones are still developing. You're not at a full mature state. Okay. so your body's going to have an ability to metabolize more food. But you have some people, though, because of genetically uh, uh, their hormonal function and their activities, they may have to be a lot more active to get the same response. Um, and then also it depends on, you know, the body's strength levels as far as their body's ability to metabolize the food or use that food for the fuel to make changes most people when they're older if their bodies have not been trained to metabolize food during the growth process they're going to have slower metabolisms 
Really? Okay. Okay. Is that is that due to lack of? Not like what about they eat? They they're eating really good and they just don't don't exercise at all. Uh, it depends. It, it depends. It, it's always in the background of like if a person accumulated body fat over a prolonged period of time, then it's going to have a lot more to do with what they were eating during that activity. What about the parent? What what is the, does the parent play? Because I've seen kids that are I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say overweight in their parents natural overweight. If they're expanding, it depends on the eating habits. Unless that unless that parent has hypothyroidism mm-hmm. and that kid was born with it, typically it's going to be the environment of where they're placed. Okay, okay. So the parents, so if you see the parent is being big, that'll mean the child could end up turning out being big. Yeah, or is that more like the diet? The habits, it, it all, it's all in the habits of what they're practicing. Like I got you. Your child inactivity and laziness, then you know that's going to be gap that. Okay, so they're going to have the same problem that the parent has. Yeah, I mean, if it's if they're not being taught to go work out or exercise, they're, if they're if they're repeating this, they're going to do what they see their parents do, you know, automatically. And so, if that child's not in any in any type of activity or program, you're just playing video games, he or she, you know, or baby dolls, whatever you got it, um, they are not going. They're going to train their bodies not to be able to metabolize food. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That does sound kind of crazy. And so, you know, it, it has to do with environment. Okay, I got you. It's just education of parents and the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. It, it's going to be environment. Like anybody that I take on, whether they're an adult or a kid or older adult or middle-aged, if they weren't overweight to begin with or had their body fat, there's something that they did during inactivity to cause that. So what I do is look at the cause and create a platform to where I can correct the eating and get their bodies active. Okay. And those muscles out of atrophy to where they can gradually build their metabolism. Okay. Anyone's goal could be to be able to process mm-hmm. carbohydrates uh, and fats in conjunction with some protein mm-hmm. to where they're not storing fat. Okay, because I know a lot of people... Okay, I know a lot of people that, that they lose, they go through a transformational process, they lose the weight, they get healthier, and they think they can eat anything they want to. But I do understand this, that fat cells do not never go away. They just shrink. And when you introduce crap to back the same stuff to it again, they uh-huh. end up picking up more weight than what they started off with. Most people, though, I can tell you, two-thirds of them, they go back to an inactive lifestyle. They'll get comfortable. Wow. They don't, they don't progress themselves in their workouts or they stop working out as a whole. Okay. That's, so, that's, that's kind of crazy. You go through all the, all these weeks and weeks and transformation, losing weight mentally, uh, disciplining yourself, and also you just drop the ball. Like I said, if it's short term, mm-hmm. they're going to drop the ball every time, man. Wow. But if it's, if it's a lifestyle change, mm-hmm. and more so gradually and longer term, then it's not going to take a level of, of dedication and focus. Okay. Most people... You remember when I when we would compete? Mm-hmm. Got to want it. People thought that I had to just focus on. They thought I was having to be mentally. People on the outside that's never competed. Mm-hmm. They don't have the understanding of the competition world, and so people would say, "How did you keep that mental focus not to cheat on your diet?" And you you competed also, and so 
uh, as you move up higher in the platform competing and you're trying to go for the professional, you're going against other people from other countries mm-hmm. and states. And so they're going to be at their best. And so I didn't want to lose. I, I hate losing. It, you know, it, as far as, you know, that's a very competitive sport. Yeah. And I wanted, you know, I, uh, the worst I wanted, you know, it, it took me losing to see that. Mm-hmm. When I got destroyed on stage, I was like, I put in all this time, but it's like I participated. And so. Yeah, I was I the same way back, too. Yeah, when I came, you, you know what I mean? When you come back, mm-hmm. you have a mentality to want to not really take it out on anyone, but you want to be the best at it. You don't yeah. want to just put all that effort into it. So typically it does not require a mental focus to achieve that level of greatness. Man, you when I, have, you know, you have to enjoy your, you know, you have to, you have to like the process as far as just the, what, seeing what your body can do at new levels. And that's how I always looked at it. I never really thought about, well, you know, I got to eat this again, eat that because you know, you know, you did it. Yeah. I know. Mindset. Yeah. You're, you're, it, it's more so you want to take your body to a place it's never gone. And so you got to do things that you never did. Before, and so yeah. For me, I, you know, I had an acquired taste. If, if with, you know, if I had to eat raw oatmeal, then that's what I would do. Yeah. But most people aren't going to carry that because it's not their passion. No. And so people get motivation and discipline mm-hmm. misconstrued. Oh yeah, that they're, 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 and so they're different. It doesn't, yeah, the, 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 you know, the one thing I did not like doing was going to the gym, you know, but I would go. That's where I had to have discipline in. Oh, yeah, because you get up and do it. Yeah. You know, because it was a condition, mm-hmm. you know, where you're losing body fat. But And so people on the outside, they're going to, they, they they look through a different lens. Yeah. And so when I have a non-competitive client and they want to look a certain way in a short amount of time, I'm like, yeah, you may can achieve that, but the work that you have to do to maintain that is going to be so much harder because you didn't earn it. Your yeah, body, gotcha. because it's a quick process, you mm-hmm. have to go through all these strenuous things to maintain it. That's why it's better to set that as a longer-term goal okay. and gradually get to that goal to where you have um, ammunition mm-hmm. and arsenal as far as your muscles to assist you to burn those calories to where when you're at that state, you can still on occasion have a little cheat meal or refeed. Yeah, and that, and that that's that's so, actually that's actually important to have that leeway because you know you yeah. you dieting for such long a period of time. You know it's okay to have a cheat meal if you're doing the proper protocol to kind of yeah. get your results you're trying to get through the yeah, transformation. Competitive, even you know competitive. Like I said, it just depends on where you at in your time. Like with competitors, we had a timeline. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to be, you know, you know, and I know if you. What I thought about is if I ate, you know, a burger or things like that, all I could think about was the guy. There could be a guy that looked just as good as me not doing that. And, you know, I felt like they would place higher than me. They would oh, okay. be one. And like I said, the worst I wanted to do, the worst I wanted was first place. I was like, if I don't win overall, I at least better get first place. Okay. And so that was my mentality as a competitor. Okay. Okay. So now since we've covered a lot of stuff here, a lot of information, I think people are going to be amazed by what you have to offer, uh, your expertise. So our, our last question we have here, uh, one before the last, is goal-based customized programs. Tell, tell us what that looked like and tell us 
okay with anyone. It's the only type of person I don't work with is are, is an insulin dependent diabetic because they have to alter their insulin. And okay. I operate off of for one a natural platform. I can work with someone that has prescribed hormone replacement therapy. However, that has to be prescribed by their doctor. I don't tamper with prescriptions. Okay. You know, everything's being monitored and managed by their doctor. Um, but I work with any aspect of anyone, you know, outside of, like I said, an insulin dependent diabetic. If a person's on metformin or, you know, type one, I can work with them because they can be taken off that medication. But when someone's insulin dependent, mm-hmm. that they normally have to get an insulin shot or that has to be adjusted. And so I prefer not to do that because simply because, you know, in the bodybuilding world, you know, you have some people that uh, choose to compete non-tested. And so since I operate off of a natural platform, I don't ever want to make any type of hormonal adjustments. Okay. That affects, you know, my reputation as far as me, you know, I don't blame a natural you. platform. I don't blame you. Don't blame me at all. I work with anyone, though, as far as just, in fact, I have more people that are general lives than I do competing. I do have a good base of competitors of different categories, but mm-hmm. that's a hobby and stuff. But as far as your athlete or as far as as far as your lifter or just the average couch potato, I take on anyone. And depending on what level you're at, we can do an assessment. I can gather where you're at, and you have to be very honest on the food log part. And okay. on your medications, if you're taking any, to where I can pinpoint and trace what's wrong. And typically, I have most of my clients do weekly check-ins with progression photos. Mm-hmm. I'm going to typically compare and assess those photos and change the plan. If you're overweight, you don't necessarily have to do that. But um, typically, I have them get their body fat tested, you know, mm-hmm. and send that in. Okay. Or I have them track their caloric burn. You know, okay. off of a Fitbit device or things of that nature. And so it just depends on the level of where the person's at. I take them from that level and I progress them to their goal. Okay. But like I said, typically I like doing longer term. I do work with some people that are short term, but it mm-hmm. just also depends on the level of discipline where the person's at and if they've been active. If you've been inactive, I don't think you would qualify to try to reach a realistic short term goal. Okay, so that's... I'd tell anyone to make that their longer term. So I'm radically honest about that, too. Okay, that's good. That's good you're not just throwing stuff in the wind and, and hoping it gets it gets stuck on somewhere. Yeah. Because, because so so with that, mean, with that being said, so you cover a lot of ketose diets, vegan, vegan diet. You cover everything, yeah, but it's like, just diabetic uh, stuff. You don't yeah, work I, work, with. I work with plant-based dieters. Uh, my okay. pricing is a little bit different for plant-based dieters because of the complications. Mm-hmm. Of, of having to do the research. I work with a keto dieter, things of that really? nature. Okay. Yeah. Every diet has its cult. Okay. So, you know, pescatarians, you know, things of that nature. Okay. And so, but, you know, there's a pricing difference when it comes to those type of diets. Okay. It's more involved in it. Of the adjustments. Because some people need to, some people, they aren't, you know, there aren't plant based dieters and they're needing to transition to that. There's a transition process. Eating a certain way, you shouldn't just start a any type of plan, you know. Unless you plan for it. Yeah, there there should be always what I call a pre diet. Okay, okay. So so and uh, so just just for information for the people, uh, you have trained and worked with several people that you have been able to turn pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I had one athlete, uh, my first pro, it was in 2017. Uh, her name was Katie Padilla. Okay. Uh, natural athlete. Uh, she had been doing figure. I had watched her compete over the years, and she competed in figure, in women's figure. And um, I noticed, I didn't know her very well, but I saw her at the gym. And uh, she'd always play second or so or third at her figure shows. And so I saw her at the gym, and she was in off-season. I said, wow, you moving up to women's physique. And she said, uh, you think I can do women's physique? She goes, I always have to shave down muscle to do figure. I said, you're women's physique. You know, I have an eye for it. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I don't have a coach. So I said, well, uh, just build your frame, work on your off-season. And whenever you decide to compete in women's physique, uh, you know, hit me up. And so she spent about another year or two training, perfecting her physique. And then we sat down and put a game plan together. And, uh, you know, her first show was the 2016 Texas State, where she won overall there. And then our next target was uh, the NPC USA's, Uh where she won uh, women's physique class A. And so she did that naturally, by the way, too. Wow. Those types of chemicals. Yeah. Everybody I work with are natural athletes. So, so I've she looked didn't go at any hormone replacement therapy, none of that. That's good because I've seen your Instagram page, man. You get a lot of transformation that you have worked yeah, with a lot of people through. Everybody's natural. And so uh, I do maybe have one or two clients that have to get uh, testosterone therapy because of their age or their deficiency. Mm-hmm. But that ha- that's got more to do with their doctor before I met with them. I got you. And, you know, I do work with also one that's trying to come off of PEDs. I wanted to make that clear, too. Okay. Also get former athletes that were damaged by PEDs. Okay. By performance-enhancing drugs. Okay. And so some of them have to get, you know, that therapy because of the damage. But uh, I don't do any type of alterations on the drugs. Okay. I think of nature. But I can get someone back to a natural state. State, where they were. Okay. Because, like I said... I've seen your Instagram page, Hanabolic. Tell them your uh, Instagram page. It's uh, Hanabolic, H-A-N-N-A-H-B-O-L-I-C-S, underscore performance driven. You guys can look at his his, uh, Instagram page. He posts a lot of, you know, questions and answers sometimes, and he has a lot of transformation of, I mean, say hundreds of athletes he's worked with and got them in best position that need to, that been in before work with soccer moms dads whatever people that are just without weekend warriors use, like i said without the use of uh performance enhancing drugs and that that's 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 a big accomplishment because you know that, that's a lot to do especially when you work on someone you work with many different people different personalities and you're trying to get them in where they need to be at and where they want to be at it's a t- group effort between the nutritionist and also the client and what you all are working together to help achieve their ultimate goal. And that's, that's what you all are doing and being accountable to each other and helping the progress move along, move along like slowly and, and, you know, and, you know, constant. And that's, that's a really important thing. So for you guys out there, uh, we got a last question and we're going to call this a wrap for the day. So the last question is, where do you see wellness therapy in the future? Since things have changed since this COVID-19 thing, uh, how people see food, everything is different now. What do you see this ending up going going forward in the future? I see a lot of things going more so digital. Okay. Uh, there's not going to be as many brick and mortar. Okay. Businesses, there's going to be, a, you're going to have some that are private, but 
I think a lot of things, a lot of things are going to go more. It's already kind of transitioned to that now, but it's going to go more so digital. There is going to be a seasonal period to where things are more so hands on. Okay. But from what I'm looking at, everything's transitioning to digital. Yeah. It's a microwave society. Oh, you know? yeah, that's definitely true. Apps, you know, websites, things of that nature. Okay. Where the services are available. And so I'm gradually transitioning to that myself, to the digital. Okay. Okay. So what I want to do, I want to thank you for, for, well, for everything you do for you looking out and change the lives of different people out there that are interested in the process and they're so, you know, so you out for your services. And, uh, I do thank you for being a student of your craft and coming on and sharing with us, uh, a lot of your, uh, insight on things that people need to be doing and how you can participate in their goals, uh, their dreams and what they're, you know, how they're trying to take their body to a different, uh, direction. Yeah, and I thank you for having me also. Okay, guys. So you can find this this uh, episode of this episode with Eric Hanna on making a stretching difference. Uh, and look us up, leave some information, details of what you think about the show, any questions to answer. We'll make sure we get it to Eric Hanna. So last but not least, Eric, I want you to share with us all your contact information, where you people can find you, how they can contact you, whatever. Okay, my website is currently down. It's being reconstructed. But uh, you can contact me, as I said before, on Instagram and on Facebook. Sometimes my uh, personal page is full, but you can always send me a message on Messenger or uh, and it's Eric Chauncey Hanna. Or you can contact me on Gmail. My account is Eric, E-R-I-C, Body Talk, B-O-D-Y-T-L-K, 2014 at gmail.com. All or right. Instagram direct message on my anabolics page. Okay. Okay. Well, guys, we're going to be out to next time. Uh, keep making a stretching difference. Uh, thank you. Bye.